The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Andrew, this one's free because I fucked up on the Monday Big Show where <laughs> I asked people I asked people for Twitter questions and they asked a ton of good ones and I forgot to I forgot to go through them. How could you do that to our fans? I I know I'm a terrible I'm a terrible host. So I forgot to do them. So we're going to go through them now and answer them uh, for seven minutes of Saints. And there's some good ones, so I'll just start them off. Uh, and by the way, this is free. If you pay $7 a month, you get uh, the seven minutes of Saints. You get four episodes extra a week plus the Monday podcast. It's awesome. You should do it. You get, you get it, and it's great. And you get a magnet, and you get free swag, so do it now. Um, so this is from Cajun Alaskan. Which hapless action movie henchman is Tommy Lee Lewis? Which hapless action movie henchman? Yeah, I mean, he's oh like, like the guy from Die Hard with the where that that Bruce Willis killed Hans Gruber. No, no, the the one that Bruce Willis kills and he takes his shoes because remember he doesn't have any shoes in Die Hard. Oh yeah, but his, but his shoes are super tiny, so even <laughs> if he, so even de- so even dead, he's not worth a damn to Bruce Willis. I think that might be Tommy Lee. Lewis. That's a great call. Um, yeah, you nailed so, that one. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. You can answer this. Should the this is a good one from Riker. Should the Rams take the Falcons' place as our most hated rivals? No, I don't think so. I mean, first of all, I mean, if you go back to the NFC West days, you know, the Rams, Falcons, and Forty ers were in the Saints division. You know, I know a lot of Saints fans probably don't know that, um, or at least don't remember it because they weren't fans back then, but. You know, there was a day where I hated the Rams. You know, the Rams did. Talked, we've talked many times yeah. on this podcast about the Flipper Anderson game. Mike but, Lansford uh, is an all-time. He might be the kicker if you if you did a kicker for all-time Saints killer list, and you ask yeah. people and you ask people my age or older, Mike Lansford, his barefoot ass would be on the team. Like he killed no the fucking Saints. No doubt. Yeah. So, but you know. I, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I really hate the Rams now. It, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely gotten personal, but you also can't blame them for the call. Like that really was a ref thing. Um, so, you know, to me, yes, I hate them, but like it's still not close to the Falcons or Panthers. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would say they're higher than the Bucks. They're definitely higher than the Bucks. Here's the team that the Rams. Why the Ram the hatred of the Rams isn't going to last. Is they don't have any fans, and we don't interact with them. So, like, Atlanta fans, we interact with them all the goddamn time. My timeline post-Saints just filled with sewage, and I had to mute a bunch of people, right? Even Carolina fans, they have them out there. Other fan bases, right? We, Rams, they have, like, four fans. I, I never actually interacted with one fucking Rams fan the entire – the week before the NFC Championship game. And after that, and through the Super Bowl, I never interacted with one. I went on a weird podcast from some guy from Atlanta that was a Rams fan, but that was it. They don't have any fans, so I don't think I don't think the hatred is going to last, Andrew. Yeah. So here's another one. Um, 
Assume, oh, this is, this, I'll take this one. This is from Dylan. Assuming all things equal, if you could choose between Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown being traded to the Saints, who would you take? Well, I mean, I think you take Odell because Odell, he's, like, his crazy is just, like, superficial crazy. Like, he's never been shown to be, like, a bad guy. I mean, yeah, he went on the boat in, before the playoff game, but a lot of other players did that, too. Like, Odell Beckham, yeah, he throws tantrums on the sidelines and all but he's never shown to be like Antonio Brown where they had to, like, send his ass home, you know? I, I mean, all things being equal, and Odell Beckham, I think, I think he's better, and he's better you guys, so that just makes it more fun. So if all things are equal, I'm taking Beckham every time. Yeah, I mean, I'm an LSU fan, so I'm biased. But, yeah, that's my pick for sure. <laughs> this is, is Alex Molden available to be the secondary coach if, when Aaron Glenn leaves? I haven't heard anything. Is, is he going to Cincinnati? Well, they, they denied him. No, the Saints blocked it. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird because Sean Payton is very pro, I let guys move up. Uh, and he's very vocal about that. So I, I would hope Nick Underhill maybe digs around in there and, and finds some stuff. Because that, that, that was odd to me that the Saints flat out blocked him. Well, I wonder if the timing had something to do with it, like, you know, just Sean Payton feeling, no, like, too much time has elapsed. Like, we, you know, we can't replace him with the guy we would want. So, too late, Yeah, you know. Yeah. I wonder if that was part of it, just the timing. But, yeah. you know, a guy to keep an eye on, um, you know, who started as an intern, you know, who kind of fits a similar profile is Lee Torrance. Um, mm-hmm. He played for the Saints. Uh, much like Aaron Glenn did, so he knows the system. He knows kind of the, um, you know, he knows the plan and everything. And he started as an intern, and then he was promoted to an assistant coach, uh, which he is now for the Saints. And um, you know, I, I just think he's a young, innovative, and and uh, thoughtful guy. Very smart guy. Um, I've met him a couple times. Super super nice guy. But I, I think Lee Torrance is a guy that just fits kind of the similar mold to Aaron Glenn. And if Glenn were to leave that potentially, if you promote from within, uh, he could be a good fit. Here's the thing. This is going to be Aaron Glenn's last year with the Saints. Like he, teams know about him. He, 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 Dan, I think, I think Dan Campbell too. Yeah. I mean him, he was rumored to be on Bill Belichick's list for a defensive coordinator last year. Like teams, his, the secret about him is out. Like, teams know he's smart. He's a fantastic defensive back coach. He's on the fast track. Him and Dan Campbell, you're right. Like, enjoy them because this is this is it for them. They're they're going to be – Glenn's going to be a coordinator and Dan Campbell's probably going to be a coach. Um, this is a great question. Uh, Ralph, how much energy would we have to generate to slap Roger Goodell to go back in time to the moment the flag should have been thrown? Um this is a thing from uh, somebody asked Adam Savage, who's a science show guy. Uh, my daughter just asked me a question that is the perfect for the tested or Mythbusters experiment. If kinetic energy is converted into thermal energy, how hard do you have to slap a chicken to cook it? So he took it to the next level and said, how, how hard do you have to slap Goodell to, so we can go back in time? Uh, well, first of all, you well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be slap the official, though? Well, no, well, you probably have to – his theory was you have to slap Roger Goodell to get the whole time continuing. You have to open the to open the door so we can time travel, right? Well, if you have mm-hmm. to slap Goodell really hard, the first thing you have to do is dip your hands and slap your mama spice. Like really dip your hands in it, like get them drenched in it because you got to slap him. 
spice has got to go everywhere because you got to open the door. You got to slap them really hard. So slap your mom, slap your mama. Cajun seasoning is what you got to use. I think. Um, I would think you'd need a big wrestler to do it too. Like I, like me, combined with the slap your mama seasoning wouldn't be enough. Like we would need to like get Andre the Giant, like raise him from the dead. You know. Well, you so you'd have to go back in time to. Yeah. So it'd be it'd be yeah. tricky. Oh well, we could we could get John Cena maybe that could. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. That could work. You think that would be enough? I don't know. I mean, to to open up the time, the space-time continuum, I mean, you're talking a hell of a slap. Yeah. Um, Here's a good one. if we don't, if we this is from Shane. If we don't re-sign Teddy Bridgewater, would re-signing Adam Big Hill soften the blow? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, that's good. I love that because it, you know what the thing is. Like we have all these arguments. You know, I I wish I wasn't. I mean, granted, I wouldn't say I'm lazy, but we do all these shows. We do we're doing the seven minutes of things. We're doing all these shows. We're doing all this fun stuff on Facebook. So I don't have time. I. I hope we can get, generate enough revenue so I can pay an intern. And one of the things I'm going to have the intern do is all these Saints bloggers and motherfuckers that lose their mind when the Saints cut some random dude, and they're like, he'll never clear the waiver. He's never clearing the waiver. He's gone forever. Like, I just want a spreadsheet of all those names so at the end of the year, like, we can go through them all. Because I feel like Adam Bigel was like – Number, he was like the king of that genre. We're like, oh, you yeah. can't, you can't cut him. He's, he's slow and he's white and he's small. He'll never clear weight. The Saints will never. The Saints will regret this mistake. Yeah, it's like, man, the Saints cut him. They cut fucking three draft choices. I mean, you know, like it's just. But it, but it, Shane, thanks for bringing that back and reminding people. I mean, uh, I mean, my, my, here, here's my thing. Like, of all those guys. How many have the Saints cut that have actually gone on to be awesome somewhere else? Like Rob Ninkovich is the only one, and that w- that was like twelve years ago. Yeah, and he was a weird, and he was a weird case because he was hurt all the time with the Saints. You know? Yeah. Like 
Like, it, like he wasn't so just like, like if we cut if we cut Shontavious Jones, he's gonna make make the Pro Bowl. Yeah, else. you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like Rob Ninkovich was Rick Leonard, where he was just kind of awful, and the Saints were like, "Eh, you're awful. We're cutting you." He was like hurt all the time, and Saints players were like, "Don't cut him. Don't cut him. He's really good. He just needs to, you know." This is like the the he's the exception that proves the rule. Oh, this is a great question from Dylan Raspberry. Uh, Andrew, if you could bring back one Saints player in their prime to the team for the upcoming season, who would you pick? Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Not Graham. Not Jimmy Graham now. I mean, Jimmy Graham at his best. Jim, 2011 Jimmy Graham. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you could make a case for 2011 Colston, too. Like, a dude, like, a, like peak Colston where they could put him in the slot and, and do fun things with him. Joe Horn would be fun. Uh, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. <laughs> uh, will, the, will the Saints finally get a starting caliber free agent from LSU this year in Quan Alexander or Tyrone Matthews? I would love it. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like the seal's been broken with Will Clapp. I mean, at least they finally freaking drafted one. And he made the team. And he got to start a game and, and play a little bit. So uh, I feel like the – the monkey, you know, is off our back with that now. You know, I, I mean, don't mm-hmm. you? Don't don't you feel like Will Clapp has kind of exercised that? Genius? Yeah, I mean, and look, and look, the thing is, like, you know, safety's still an issue for them. Like, Coleman didn't work out, and just because Coleman was a dud and they whiffed on that, like, doesn't mean that they're not going to go looking for another safety, right? You know, same thing in tight end. Like, Kobe Fleener didn't really work out. It doesn't mean like that they won't go in free agency now and sign a sign a tight end or do something. They still need another safety. Tyron Matthew would be a great guy. And the thing is, like, I don't know that the safety market's going to be any better. Like, I don't know that Tyron Matthew. He played really good for the Texans, but I don't know that he's going to get like a three-year, twenty million dollar deal. Like, I think you could still go and get him on. You could do the same thing you did with Kirk Coleman, where like you yeah. give him a two give him a two-year deal, and if it doesn't work out, you eat a little money. After year one, I mean, the thing, the thing is, I like Tony Matthew is because he's so flexible, right? And he can—he's not as great as he was at Arizona. Like he's not that guy anymore. But the thing that I like about him is he can still do a ton of stuff. So like, if you—if your slot corner gets banged up, you can put him in the slot. He can play strong team. You can, play, you can move him all over, and he so yeah, yeah, he can blitz. So he can do a bunch of things. So like, his versatility gives him more value. So the last question I like, and I like this. This is an interesting one. She's been disparaged a lot, Gail Benson, a ton in NBA circles. But in the small sample size, how do you think Gail is doing as the Saints owner, and how do you think she'll do as the owner long term? Uh, I think right now the structure is really stable. Uh, you, you've got Mickey Loomis who knows what he's doing. You know Dennis Lausha. I mean, just the, the whole um, organization was set up to run itself when Tom Benson died. I think where I will start to get more nervous is if and when some of these guys leave or, you know, God forbid, you know, something happens to them. I mean, just whatever. Just, you or know, you have to make hard calls. Or you have to make hard calls, right? Yeah, like, where, where, new like hires, 20- where new hires need to be made and, and, and trust needs to be given. And, you know, I mean, in certain cases, I think Gail will feel like if there's a new hire and it's a guy she doesn't trust as much, then she will maybe, you know, be more assertive. And, and um, you know, so I, 
I think it'll take. I think my my point is, I think time will tell. I think right now the organization is set up in a very stable way, and and will continue to be that way for the next several years. Yeah. And and you know uh, I I butcher his name, but he writes for the the Bird Rights, which is a of great Pelican blog. Oli, I think, is his name. And he yeah. wrote a great he wrote a great article explaining, I think, the best theory explanation for why they why the they Tom Benson set up the Pelicans the way he did with Loomis sort of oh, not running it day to day right, but overseeing it and making final calls. And he made a good point of like you know Benson. Was go- he was losing his faculties at the end, right? He, he, you know, dementia being old. And the thing he said is, you know, old people, when they lose, start to lose their faculties, they know it. And when you start to lose your faculties, you pull in and you, the inner cir- you, you set up the inner circle of people that you know you can trust, right? Because if you know that, hey, I'm Andrew and I'm losing my faculties and you know it's happening and you know you have good days and bad days, you got to pull in that circle of trust of people that you know will not screw you over, even though they can, because you're in a compromised state, right? Right. So when he, he knows that's happening, he's bought the Pelican, so he has to set it up with the people that he absolutely can trust. And Mickey Loomis is one of those guys. So he said, hey, Mickey, you're going to be in charge of overseeing the Pelicans. And I'm going to, you know, I'm losing it and I'm near death and I'm, you know, my faculties aren't the same. So they, they set that up. And that was, it's not, it wasn't the best case for the Pelicans, but in a way it was the best way for Tom Benson, right? But now he's passed on and Gail has taken a more assertive role there. So she can sort of change the structure around and say, hey, no, no, Mickey, you, you go do the Saints and we're going to hire a real basketball guy and he's going to have autonomy over the Pelicans and we're going to trust him and we're going to reshuffle it. So I thought that was a great explanation of why they set up the Pelicans they did. And look, my thing is with Gail, and I've always said this, is I don't know if she's going to be good, but the thing that gives me comfort about her, Andrew, is she doesn't have any children. She... Her whole legacy now is these teams. So she's going to want them to work, and I don't think she's ever going to sell them. Now, she may die and pass on, and then it becomes complicated, but she ain't moving the Pelicans, and she ain't going to move the Saints because the thing is, she's the New Orleans person born and bred, and she doesn't want when she her obituary to be Gail Benson, comma, move the Saints to Portland. Like, she doesn't want that in the beginning of her obituary, or Gail Benson, comma, sold the Pelicans for $3.5 billion. Well, she doesn't want that for Tom's legacy either. Yeah. So he's an extension of his legacy at this point. Yeah. So I think, I think her owning the teams is way better than the alternative was. We'll see how it goes, but so far so good. And let's, you know, let's, she's, she's navigated Anthony Davis trade nonsense. She's navigated it beautifully. She held out. She didn't cave. They're, Fired Del Dems, they're going to redo it. Like, so far, so good. Now, they got a long way to go, but so far, so good. I mean, if she'd, if she'd, if she'd allowed them to trade Anthony Davis for 35 cents on the dollar, the Pelicans would be good and fucked for the next five years. At least now, they get to the summer, they have a chance. The Saints, it's running beautifully. She lets Mickey Loomis do what they do, what he wants to do in Sean Payton. So, uh, we'll see how it goes, but so far, so good. So, this wraps up the mailbag that we should have done on Monday. But, people, if you like the seven minutes of Saints that went uh, almost 18 today, pay $7, get it for free. 
It's fantastic. We love all your support, and uh, we'll see you Monday.